instructing on Mondays. Is the man, is the man, watch that. Is the man, is the man, watch that. Is the man, is the man, watch that podcast. Hey, this is the Matt Watch That Podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Sarosky, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen, but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. Everyone can join in on the fun. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, on this episode, we're going to be celebrating National Hispanic Heritage Month and focusing on movies, television, and music that feature artists of Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South American descent. According to the HispanicHeritageMonth.gov website, the day of September 15th is significant because it's the anniversary of independence for Latin American countries Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. In addition, Mexico and Chile celebrated their independence days on September 16th and September 18th, respectively. So the movie I'm reviewing in this episode of the podcast was directed by Robert Rodriguez, a tremendous talent. He uses the one-person crew approach, contributing as director, writer, actor, editor, cinematographer, and composer on many of his films. He founded El Rey Network, which I enjoyed episodes of Lucha Underground on. Last year, it moved from broadcast to streaming in partnership with Cinedime. He wrote an insightful book on independent filmmaking called Rebel Without a Crew, or how a 23-year-old filmmaker with $7,000 became a Hollywood player. Now, I have the smallest connection to Robert Rodriguez, not personally, but through his work. I was taking a class in film school on sound design, and the teacher had us take a short called Bedhead and replace all the sound effects with our own. So the first thing we had to do was watch the short and then decide what sounds we wanted to put into it. Then we had to go out and actually record those sounds and then edit them into the short. I watched this thing over and over and over again throughout the whole process to the point where I knew it, verbatim, front to back, back to front. It was a really fun experience, and it was probably the first time that I realized how much I loved editing, which sent me down a whole different path in film school. It wasn't my first exposure to the filmmaker. I had seen The Faculty and From Dusk Till Dawn, but I saw what he could produce on such a small budget and thought, I could do this. So my hat's off to Robert Rodriguez. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking at a five stars. One star is Skip It, two stars Watch at Your Own Risk, three stars Standard Fare, four stars Worth Checking Out, and five stars Must See. Now if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. So let's jump into it. These are my ruminations and observations of the movie Once Upon a Time in Mexico, from 2003. This is the third and final part in the Mexico trilogy, which includes El Mariachi from 1992 and Desperado from 1995. It was directed by Robert Rodriguez, who helmed The Faculty, Spy Kids, Sin City, Machete, and The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Not surprisingly, he also wrote the screenplay. This is something to look out for. 
A child dressed in a yellow shirt appears in all films of the Mexico Trilogy. The movie stars Antonio Banderas as El Mariachi. He was born in Spain and had ambitions of playing professional football, soccer for you Americans, but those dreams were shattered when he broke his foot. He transitioned to theater and studied at the School for Dramatic Art. He was arrested a couple of times for performing, not because his acting was so bad, but the plays were against the political censorship at the time. He made his film debut in Labyrinth of Passion in 1982, and had a varied and successful career in Spain before making his American debut in 1991 with the Madonna documentary Truth or Dare. He has since gone on to star in Philadelphia, Desperado, Spy Kids, Frida, The Mask of Zorro, lent his voice in Shrek 2, and will be appearing in the upcoming Indiana Jones in the Hip Dysplasia. Carolina is portrayed by Selma Hayek. Born into an affluent family in Mexico, her father was an oil company executive and her mother was an opera singer. After she graduated, Selma was cast in the starring role of the telenovela Teresa. After its two-year run, she moved to Hollywood and studied under Stella Adler. Her breakthrough role was as Carolina in Desperado, the second of what would become the Mexico Trilogy. She would team up with Robert Rodriguez in From Dusk Till Dawn and Four Rooms. She would star in romantic comedies Fools Rush In and Breaking Up, the drama 54, horror, the faculty, comedy, dogma, and atrocity, Wild Wild West. She would appear in and executive produce Ugly Betty, and will be appearing in Magic Mike's Last Dance. She was nominated for an Oscar, Golden Globe, and Screen Actors Guild Awards for her role in Frida. Johnny Depp plays CIA agent Sands. I'm not sure I need to go into his history and filmography. I think we know enough about his career and personal life to hold us over for a lifetime, so I'm gonna move on. The movie opens with CIA agent Sands sitting at a table in a bar. He's approached by Bellini, who gives him a piece of paper with a name written on it. Sands says that he's never heard of him before, but Bellini tells him of how the man wiped out a couple of towns single-handedly. Everyone knows the legend of El Mariachi. Sands asks him to make the introduction, but Bellini declines, as he's seen him in action. During the Barrio Cartel Massacre, General Marquez was on a mission to destroy El Mariachi, and when it seemed his soldiers had the advantage, his former love interest Carolina, who is now hanging around with El Mariachi, polite euphemism, puts a bullet in Marquez's head, but he doesn't die and vows revenge. That leads to the opening title sequence, which features El Mariachi strumming a guitar over beauty shots of the marketplace, hacienda-style homes, and adobe buildings. At the Barrio Estates, we meet Armando Barrio. He's a mass murderer and drug kingpin. Despite these tiny flaws, he owns the province of Culiacan. He's purchased hundreds of homes and ranches and given them to the people. He's a folk hero to them. This is an issue for the president, who's launched a political campaign against the Barrio cartel, who he says is threatening the nation and urges the people to gather their forces in order to prevent the destruction of their unity. Meanwhile, a convoy of trucks, led by Kakui, rolls into town looking for El Mariachi. The townspeople deny knowing him, but when they're held at gunpoint, the legend reveals himself. Kakui brings El Mariachi to meet with CIA agent Sands. He wants him to kill General Marquez, who's being paid by the Barrio cartel to kill the president, in an attempted coup d'etat. He doesn't want the assassination on the president to be prevented, but he also doesn't want General Marquez to seize power. He instructs El Mariachi to go to the church, and meet with an associate named Salome, who will provide further instructions. They make a deal that if El Mariachi goes through with the plan, he will be a free man from Marquez, the cartels, and the president. Here's a quote without context. 
Are you a Mexican or a Mexicant? Once Upon a Time in Mexico was a fun movie. The opening teaser lays the foundation for what you're gonna see. It's a modern western with machine guns replacing six shooters, trucks replacing horses. I was really impressed with the cinematography, the contrast of light and dark, the way the shadows fell on the characters. The action scenes were great, comparable to Tarantino, who is a mentor of his, but not nearly as bloody, violent, or random, in my opinion. There's one scene where El Mariachi and Carolina are handcuffed and have to escape from pursuers, and the stunt set piece was so impressive. But, one of my biggest pet peeves is when the fourth wall is broken. After a person is shot, blood splatters across the camera lens and instantly took me out of it. Look, I consciously know that I'm watching a movie, but when something disrupts that, it's very annoying. I like getting lost in the experience. It was shot in Mexico in Austin, Texas, where Robert Rodriguez has a film studio. Even if the movie isn't to your liking, it's worth watching just for the architecture. Again, I find it exciting to see different cultures and environments on screen. The story has a couple of twists and turns and betrayal, so it could be hard to follow if you're not paying attention. But the supporting cast is a bright spot. Danny Trejo is Kukui, Cheech Marin is Bellini, William Defoe is Barrio, Mickey Rourke is Billy, Enrique Iglesias as Lorenzo, and Ava Mendez as Ajedrez. Now for a little trivial trivia. George Lucas introduced Robert Rodriguez to the digital cameras that were used in the making of this film. Thank God he didn't go with Lucas's other suggestion of using Jar Jar Binks. The cinematography was captured by Robert Rodriguez. He also edited the movie and composed the score. In the credits, it's attributed as Shot, Chopped, and Scored by Robert Rodriguez. The soundtrack features songs by Brian Setzer, Patricia Vaughn, Enrique Iglesias, and Banda San Jose. The runtime is 1 hour 42 minutes. It had a budget of $29 million and grossed $98 million at the box office. Even though for 2003 that's a smaller budget, it's amazing to think that the first movie, El Mariachi, cost $7,000 to produce. I give it 4 out of 5 stars. Take off half a star if you get a little squeamish with gun violence. If you've seen Once Upon a Time in Mexico and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random. Search for my YouTube page and there will be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. Bad Bunny is a popular Puerto Rican rapper and singer, but that's not how I got to know him. He performed live at the 2021 Royal Rumble and made some appearances on WWE Monday Night Raw. He ended up winning the 24-7 championship, holding it for almost a month, which is an impressive reign for that joke of a title. But his in-ring abilities are no joke. He definitely had a lot of talent, which is a double-edged sword for me. Like, I respect the profession of wrestling, but when a non-wrestler comes in and performs moves very swiftly, very aptly, it gives the impression that anyone can do it. And there are people who train for years that never get to that level of athleticism and never get a chance for that spot on the card. There is an art to the performance, but to Bad Bunny's credit, he treated it with a lot of respect. You could tell he's a wrestling fan. There have been other celebrities that didn't fare so well in the ring and they were obviously doing it for a paycheck. So I started listening to some of his tracks and I'm a fan. I'm not sure what he calls his fans. The Bunny Brigade? The Fun Buns? He's been nominated for six Grammy Awards, winning two for Best Latin Pop or Urban Album in 2021, 
and Best Musica Urbana Album in 2022. I've selected a few tracks, which will be available in the Matt Watch That playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Cobra Kai. Created by Josh Hell, John Hurwitz, and Hayden Schlossenberg. Based on the Karate Kid movie franchise by Robert Mark Kamen. The series stars Ralph Macchio, William Zabka, and Martin Cove from the original movies and newcomers Shola Maraduena, Tanner Buchanan, and Mary Moser as the next generation of Karate Kids. It originally aired on YouTube Red and YouTube Premium. The series revolves around Johnny Lawrence, who's had a tough time since being kicked in the face at the 1984 All-Valley Karate Tournament, but decides to reopen a dojo using the Cobra Kai brand. I had the opportunity to meet Shola Maraduena in New York City, I was walking to work and going up Fifth Avenue, and I saw him crossing the street, and he went to this store that always has a bench outside of it, and for some reason it has three monkeys, you know, positioned in the see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil poses. And there was part of me that wanted to approach him and tell him how much of a fan I was, because I first saw him on the show Parenthood. He played a foster child named Victor who was living with the Graham family, and for a young actor, he was really good. His character had to continually balance this desire to fit in with his new family, with this underlying frustration and feeling of abandonment from his own family. Those emotions are tough to put on any actor. But there was something about him that you knew he was going to be a star. Then I had seen a couple of episodes of Cobra Kai when it was available for free on YouTube, and I instantly liked the series. Not enough to sign up for YouTube Red or YouTube Premium. And this was also at a time where the show hadn't really exploded yet. I mean, let's be honest, it became popular when it got on Netflix, and all of their stars just catapulted. So I really could have had a moment before this guy got famous. Now he's in Blue Beetle in the DC universe, and I'm sure he won't be able to walk around New York City alone anymore. There's a good amount of nostalgia which services fans like me of the original movies, but it definitely adds to the canon in new ways. Sometimes it's a little overboard. I mean, when men in their 50s are still holding grudges from when they were teenagers, it seems a little borderline pathetic. But if you get past those scenes, it's a really good show. William Zabka is a good actor. He was the prototypical 80s bully, but is very charming and funny in this series. It'd be nice to see him in other roles. Cobra Kai has been on for four seasons, 40 episodes, from 2018 to present. The fifth season just premiered on September 9th of this year and streams on Netflix. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, Use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSaroski.com for the latest news and updates. And come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. Music